The Blockbusters Podcast is proud to be a member of the Pod Bros Network. You can find us as well as other fantastic podcasts such as Pencil and Ink Review, Another Damn Trivia Show, and The Language of Bromance at podbros.com, as well as on most other fine podcasting services. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to share and enjoy the Blockbusters Podcast. Welcome to episode 83 of the Blockbusters Podcast. I'm Paul. And I'm Brian. And today we're going to be talking about a series of unfortunate events. And two things, first and foremost. Number one, do follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Blockbusters. We have an email, blockbusterpodcast.gmail.com, and we have a website, blockbusters.webs.com. It is mostly up to date, and uh, I, I do try and keep that as up to date as possible but hey, yeah i'm busy and yeah, you um, know and brian doesn't have a laptop such. so, <laughs> so there's that mm-hmm. <laughs> and good excuse weak excuse but yeah there yeah, we are so, yeah. <laughs> and, and number two is you may hear from time to time if we continue in this episode another voice because <laughs> let's hope so yeah i know uh, and basically myself and brian when picking these we typically pick them, and then we don't talk about it, and we hit record, and that's the first time we talked about it. And that's not the case with this one, because we started talking about this after watching it, and then we realized, oh, we're going to review this. So Yeah, that's a little out of the bag on this one. Yeah, so what we did was we found someone who was willing to come on our show and talk about stuff and we thought hey why not make it this one so with us today is b rob himself from the round and rambling with rob podcast how are you doing sir i am doing very well (laughs) better than the baudelaire's we hope (laughs) (laughs) let's hope we're all doing better than them all right so the way we're gonna kind of handle this one is we're gonna briefly talk about the Jim Carrey film from several years ago because Brian has not seen it. <laughs> and, and then we'll go from there. Yes, No judgment passed on no, that. No. Just a fact, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> For those of you who are wondering, well, are they going to talk about the books? Nope. No. Because none of us have read Ratings for Joss. Except team was all this book stuff. <laughs> yes, it's... Uh, it, it is an unfortunate lapse on my part because after seeing the film and then seeing the series, I I feel like I might enjoy the book. So I I think it's something I will end up eventually reading or listening to because as we found out today, <laughs> it is read by the wonderful Tim Curry. Now, we're not sure how he reads it as. Is it just going to be Tim Curry as Frankenfurter? Is it going to be... Oh, it's Pennywise. Let's hope it's, it's going to be Pennywise. <laughs> Every now and again, yeah. he just busts out and... Wah, wah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it, I think it'll be interesting to listen to, especially after we've got, uh, obviously, Patrick Warburton in the series as Lemony Snicket. So yeah. it'll be a, a very interesting transition there. <laughs> Fine. But, yes. Until then. He kind of uh, sounded like Bill Nye to me with his, just, uh, his tone and everything. Not uh, Bill Nye. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Maher. 
or whatever the fuck his name. Ben Stein. Ben Stein. That's a, I'm like, wait, the science guy or the? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you got it. The Nixon advisor. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. Eyes clear eyes. Bueller. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So moving on from that, then. Yeah. Uh, so yes, that very briefly talk about the the Jim Carrey film. Jim Carrey and Jude Law are mm. respectively Count Olaf and Lemmy Snicket in those films. And I, when I first saw it, I did think it was not too bad. Again, haven't read the book, so I didn't have anything to go off of. And now I think I can understand why there were people who had some complaints about it when it came out. So, uh, uh, but yes, I, I thought that Jim Carrey was actually not too bad as Count Olaf. Uh, what about you, Rob? What did you think of the film? Well, see, that's the thing with me, because like, I watched the series first before I went back and watched the movie. So uh-huh. it's like... This this kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you sold it on me to not watch this. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it was an okay, it was an okay movie. It was a it was a yeah. good watch, whatever. But I was spoiled on the stylings of Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yes, and the uh, the film covers the first three books and mm-hmm. comes in at just under two hours, and. So and it does jump about a bit because you have what happens in the first book, then the second book, then the third book, and then it goes back to the first book again, and they finish with the marvelous marriage. So it does kind of jump around, and I I still maintain that Jim Carrey wasn't bad as Count Olaf. He just. Like, from the character and from what I, you know, it does seem like that would be a decent fit. Not yeah, having seen it, yes, course, uh, I I just feel that uh, uh, as we'll get into, I believe Neil Patrick Harris has the the win on that he, one. <laughs> he he is the led uh, the ledger to uh, Joker's or Nicholson's Joker. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Let, let's, let's is that a nap comparison? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so. Yes, with with that very, very, very quick, just like, well, the film wasn't too bad if you haven't read the books or seen the TV series. A general acknowledgement of its existence. Yes. <laughs> the film exists and moving on. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh-huh. and, and one more thing. I didn't mind the people playing the orphans, and I, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have minded seeing more of it at the time, but a couple of years went by, they still hadn't picked up a possible sequel, at mm. which point the people playing the orphans would have been too old, so I knew it was never going to happen. And now we have the Netflix series, which is picking up the first four books. And for those of you who have already watched the Netflix series and don't know that they are definitely doing it, yes, they're definitely doing the rest of the books. They're going to be doing a second season of the next five books. And then a third season of the last four books. So there will be plenty more from the Baudelaire's and Olaf. <laughs> and just a quick, I guess, real quick disclaimer. If this is, you have not gotten to this yet in your streaming queue, if you have more higher priorities, we will be discussing spoilers, um, yes. key plot elements. Uh, so if that's going to run it for you, hold off until you've seen the thing. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Just got that out of the way, you've been warned. Yes, definitely. You have been warned about as much <laughs> as they try and warn you in the opening credits. To not even watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just like, uh, this is not good marketing, fellas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is some reverse psychology bullshit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think, I guess we'll have to start with that. With the opening of the show. How it's a good place apt- to start, yeah is that opening for every show. Like, there's spoilers in the opening. Not enough to really spoil you if you haven't seen the show, but enough that they're trying to say, look, here's what happened. Don't watch. We don't want you to watch this. And fantastic reverse psychology. (laughs) It just makes you go, no, I'm going to watch this now. But And wonderfully sung. The Look Away theme song by Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. Yes. Uh, what I noticed about the, um, the theme song from episode to episode, it varied depending on yeah. what was going on in the story. It does. I love and, that about it. Yeah. And my favorite thing that happens, I needed, I haven't had the chance to rewatch episode eight, which being the last episode in the current series. And I wish I had because episode two, episode four, and episode six. The the theme song, part of it is sung, like all of it is sung by Neil Patrick Harris, but part of it, the bit which has the spoilers, is then sung in whatever character Olaf is portraying in that show. So you have obviously him closer to his Olaf voice in episode two. You have him singing as Stefano in episode four, and then you have him as Captain Sham in episode six. Oh, and I wish I had rewatched at least the opening of episode eight because then he would be playing a woman. So is he going to have the high pitch voice? I don't recall. I don't recall. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a wonderful start to the show. I think. Uh, so where should we jump to first then? Shall we start with Lemony Snicket or shall we move into the like the Baudelaire's and uh, can we, I think we I don't know, my boat's Lemony. Lemony yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is you know, there's three of us here, so yes, uh, <laughs> I'm willing how, to How about you then, Rob? Shall we start with Lemony or shall we go with Olaf first? I eyes have it. We we go with uh, Mr. Snicket. No, Mr. Snicket, yes. For for those of you that are unaware, Lemony Snicket is the author of the books, in as much as it's the pen name of the author of the books, a guy called Daniel Handler, who is actually in the series at one point as the seller of the fish heads in in episode six. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it's a wonderful thing that he does because whenever the new book would come out, Lemony Snicket would be booked at these places to come and give a talk about mm-hmm. the book. And then Daniel Handler would turn up as his agent, basically saying Lemony Snicket was unable to attend due to a bee sting or mm-hmm. something like that. Where it's brilliant just, marketing. Yeah, yeah it's, uh-huh. it's, it, was, it was a series of unfortunate events. It was indeed, <laughs> yes. Uh, and the reason that this series of books exists is because he was told basically that he should write a series of kids books and his response to that was well i don't really want to do it so i'm just going to write about horrible things happening to children no <laughs> one's going to read that <laughs> and turns out a lot of people wanted to read that so a lot of people like reading about horrible shit <laughs> yes 
wrote himself into a corner. There. <laughs> I understand that like um, books can have have the ability to explain stories in a great detail or whatever. I think the in some effect the movie did that, but the um, TV show was able to kind of expand upon what the movie couldn't do. Um, I, I'm just kind of wondering what were the books like then, because I mean you can go in the very grave detail if you wanted to about, you know, the events unfolding against the children or, you know, cause dude pulled out a knife <laughs> and I was just like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, 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 I, I do believe it's, um, I mean, it's, I believe it's young adult is technically where it falls. I, I believe I, I am willing to be corrected in that, but uh, I believe that's technically where the thing falls. And I don't think obviously it goes into stabbings and things like that. But uh, I, I've based on what I've heard from people that have read the books and like the series that it is very true to the books. So I, I feel that uh, reading the books is probably going to be kind of the same as what's in the series in, in that respect. Um, yeah. yeah, I recommended them to my sister for her kids, and then I thought, oh, wait, what have I done? <laughs> I'm like, wait, are they old enough? I knew the one was definitely old enough, <laughs> but uh, her sister is like nine, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we have domestic violence, we have uh, chasing around with knives. My my three-month-old yeah. daughter watched with me in the morning. Oh, well, well if it's fine for her, <laughs> then I guess we're good. Yeah. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. Um. Like the, the violence and everything. Like when he slapped old boy across the face, mm-hmm. you know, just like I was shocked. I was just like, man, you don't really see stuff like that no more on TV. Exactly, yeah. yeah like that, yeah. Pulled. I mean, pardon the expression, pulled no punches. But yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. it. Uh, like, yeah, it, it wasn't a full-on punch to the nose, so there was mm. no blood per se, and it was definitely an effective way of getting across. <laughs> and- Hey, Sorry to jump your head, but can we talk about Mr. Poe's complete disregard of that claim? <laughs> like, uh, he, you know, assaulted my brother. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Far be it from you to criticize parenting style. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm sorry. You've had to do chores now, you rich brats. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, but yes, slightly off track. Lemony Snicket. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. So, Patrick. Oh Warner. my God. Portrays Lonely Snicket. I I will be the first to admit, like I like some Patrick Ward. I'm a Seinfeld fan, so I loved him obviously from that show as initially Jerry's mechanic, and then later as Buddy. Um, and then of course everyone's favorite wheelchair neighbor, you know, Joe Swanson. <laughs> Sorry to that, for that to be the identifier. Yeah. Uh, former cop or cop? How about how about that? But this, I don't know. This he reached a new level for me here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess I don't. I don't know if I wasn't get, giving him enough credit. I thought he is utterly fantastic. Like I knew we'll get to NPH. I knew he would be great. I was not expecting him, uh, Patrick Warburton to be as good as he was in this. Yeah, uh, when I saw the first trailer, I was saying to Brian before we recorded here. I, I saw the very first teaser trailer, and it was Patrick Warburton saying Netflix has, for whatever reason decided to make a story about the Baudelaire's they don't watch it please like tell tell them not to do it and it wasn't until I saw the first proper trailer and saw the first episode that I realized oh 
that was Lemony Snicket mm-hmm. saying that. That wasn't Patrick Warburton saying that. And then as it went on, it was just it, it just the cadence as he's just talking to you and the way that they just have him pop up, like in whatever scene it is. Like there's one where they're on the beach and he's there in almost Dick Van Dyke from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Victorian style swimwear as yeah. he's giving the the, the sort of fourth wall break narration of the show and he, it was so well done i am such a huge fan of warburton as let me stick it now so. yeah he captures the, the the tone so perfectly yeah of the show yeah so i don't know your thoughts on that B-Rob? yeah I, I believe I, I believe he was a good choice um i knew nothing about the television series i knew there was a movie way back when whenever it came out I really didn't see it then because, I mean, it was Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey. You know, I just uh-huh. like, uh, you know, I catch it whenever I catch it. And that happened yeah. to find up in a couple of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly what you said, his tone and just the way he, you know, presented the story, you know, it had me hooked. And I can't really see anybody else other than him now, you know, playing that role. And that, yeah, that what you said right there is like a a, a telltale sign of good casting. It's like when you can't imagine someone else in that role now. Yeah, like it, it would be ruined for you if you pictured anyone else in it. That's good casting. Unless it was Morgan Freeman. Then Morgan there Freeman. you go. Okay, yes. Trump card, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> maybe 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 at some point you could have. Morgan Freeman turn up as Lenny's brother <laughs> or something. Get busy struggling. <laughs> Get busy. Is it place for Mr. Poe? <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, uh, too much gravitas for Mr. Poe. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I can't buy him as being that incompetent and <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Yeah, so just get in the car, children. <laughs> Ooh, that was good. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should come along, re- Miss Daisy. <laughs> re-record every single line. As we'll oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So mm-hmm. obviously, they're so, covering Mr. Patrick Warburton versus the wonderful Lemony Snicket, and now the other. It's the count. It's the count. Yes. It's the count. <laughs> Just count. <laughs> <laughs> a fantastic song. So good. Um, yes, anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's the count. Yes, the count himself, Count Olaf, played by Neil Patrick Harris. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how long this is going to go on for, but. Uh, <laughs> we apologize if the next half hour is us just talking about Neil Patrick Harris as Count Olaf. But so well done. <laughs> it it there's so many things about this role, this character that is wonderful to watch, even though it's horrible to watch. Um, you've got this guy who, by all accounts, is a horrible actor who believes himself to be a fantastic actor. And played by a fantastic actor, and then it—it's it, really strange. As you see the scene go on, he is a horrible actor, 
but is fantastic at coming up with characters, even though those characters are stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah, he needs to be like story by yeah. <laughs> Count Olaf, not in the production. Yeah, yes, uh, mm-hmm. yes, not story by Al Von Goot. It no, it's yes. be Count Olaf. <laughs> uh, which, a uh, little side note, uh, uh, it was in the trivia on IMDb, mm-hmm. and those of you who are fans of the series will be very well versed in this. Every single episode, there is a character or a name that has a anagram of Count Olaf as a thing. So, the marvelous marriage in the first mm-hmm. book is by Al von Coot, called being Count Olaf. The nurse Lucafont in <laughs> the <yes>. Reptile Room, <laughs> part two. Uh, again, mm-hmm. Count Olaf. Uh, I cannot remember. The one in number three. Oh, yeah, with yeah. Andrew I mean, yeah, it's not no. Captain Sham. No, that, that doesn't is not work out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, but yeah, so I think we might need to kind of break this up into Count Olaf and then each of his disguises here because there's, there's well, so much yeah. to talk about. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Rob, why don't you kick it off? What's your, what's your favorite, like, Count Olaf bit? Oh <laughs> uh, shit! Let's see. Um, <laughs> I think it was just weird seeing them as the female. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very with, true. Uh, with Catherine O'Hara, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. With with uh, Kevin McAllister's mother. Yes. <laughs> it, which, oddly enough, she was the judge in the movie. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> it's, Whoa. it's very oh, mind blown. It, it was strange uh, watching it the rewatching it the second time, just going through, and I was thinking back to the film. I was like, "Oh yeah, like, it's it's so weird that they they brought her back to do a different character for the series." But uh, uh, it's still fun to <laughs> to see all these people in it. Uh, I think Stefano was probably. The, the best out of the ones we've seen. So that far. is the correct answer. <laughs> okay, you nailed, yeah, you so, nailed it. And, I told Paul that before we started today. Yeah, yeah. my uh, favorite. At the very least, like, I I think I I prefer seeing him as Captain Sham, but I do think he was fantastic as Stefano. And at the very least, it has my favorite line, not only in the series, but also my favorite meta joke that I have ever seen, which is that when they're trying to get them. They're trying to get him to go to the movies, and he utters the phrase, I prefer long-form television to the movies. It's so much more convenient to consume entertainment from the comfort of your own home. Mugs the camera. With a yeah. mug to camera and a smile. <laughs> <laughs> and then... And then, and then the, later has a yeah, one-sided phone conversation. Yeah, yes, it, I told him it's much more comfortable than yeah, consume entertainment. No, not even two minutes later, that uh-huh. phone call occurred. <laughs> yes, of course, it's much more convenient. <laughs> yes, I told. I tried to tell them that. Yeah. <laughs> this show, I know Olaf had a large number of them, but just all of the the nods to camera, the the one where uh, Monty, for instance, at the end of episode three, is saying, "We are not going to be spending the season in some laboratory. We're going to Peru." Or uh, Mr. Poe, right at, right at the end of the series when he drops them off at their final destination for the series, and he says, you know, the, the season is almost over. Uh, semester. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it? Like the uh, episode three, it's like the new episode. 
This is a new episode yeah, in your life. New episode yeah. in your life, right at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, that was a note I had earlier. Like, just the the writing is just so clever. On point. This, yeah. So on point. Consistently clever and on point. <laughs> yes, you know, aping that line again, you know, is much better having them do it this way in a long format. Because, I mean, it, you have the ability to break down those stories even further within the overarching story. Yeah, it's so much better than if they just made a film out of each one. Like just having having this style <laughs> done. And uh, I, I looked it up before we were recording here. I, I told Brian about it. There's even, like... There's meta jokes that you don't even realize are meta jokes if you don't know certain things. For instance, uh, we've never read the books, but in the fourth book, it is Mr. Poe that takes the children to Lucky Smells. And in the series, they go off themselves. And so at the beginning of the episode, when he's looking for them, he's like, it's a catastrophe. It's a disaster. It's off book. It's like, <laughs> you, you don't realize it unless you know that. And then if you know that, it's just a fantastic throwaway line. And it is it definitely, I think, my my second favorite thing in the entire series is all of those meta <laughs> things. Yeah, that multiple layers to enjoy it on, yeah. Um, all right, so uh, what, what did you guys think of the people playing the Baudelaire's. I mean, obviously, Sonny, there's not much to really go there. It's either a baby or a CG baby. There's, there's no... A CG head floating around. I, I feel she really chewed up the scenery. Yeah, 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 de- yeah. definitely. <laughs> you know. But I'm sure. Thank you. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm not even going to waste my time finding the actual sound effect. No, it didn't deserve that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but... So, I have seen the actress that plays Violet um, once before, because uh, for an episode of a podcast called (laughs) Sword Western Cinema that is not coming out because the audio was messed up, I had to watch the film Nine Nine Lives, Lives. which which is the Kevin Spacey film where he turns into a cat. That whole stick. Again, was for a podcast that... Re- reviews horrible films and they just decided not to release this episode so i watched a horrible film for nothing <laughs> well you got something out of it i'm sure well, uh... on top of that i had to watch it twice because the note-taking thing on my phone deleted itself oh. so yes but it was kind anyway of spacey as a cat the the actress that plays violet <laughs> is the daughter in nine yeah. lives yeah. <laughs> so i've seen her in that and upon realizing that that was her before i saw the show i was like Okay, I'm not going to judge her based solely on the one film I've seen her in. It's you take whatever you can get when it comes to to starting in the acting profession. And I I don't know if it's because of that, but seeing her in this and it just being so much better than Nine Lives, I I felt she was a really good Violet, and I genuinely don't know if it would be her or Emily Browning that I prefer more because I, I did think Emily Browning was all right as Violet in the film, but the Violet in this 
it's so much more fleshed out that obviously I'm drawn more towards the TV version of it. So, well, Brian, not having seen the film, yeah, I can't really compare and contrast. I thought she was fantastic. Yeah, Um, yeah, for such a young person, I thought. I mean, you know, sometimes you have to suffer through some pretty bad trial acting and stuff, and um, I, I thought she carried it every scene very well I, I i never had any issues with her no yeah, yeah that, that, uh, i'm not saying i had any issues uh-huh. with her, i um like emily browning and oh, yeah, film, like, I thought, yeah i just I thought was the best her. out of the uh out of her and klaus in the film she was mm-hmm. better so that that was my kind of mm-hmm. uh comparison point when it came to the series and i feel that violet in the series was a bit better but uh they were both very good. Now, when it comes to Klaus, mm-hmm. the Klaus in the TV series is way better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Once again, can't speak to that. So yeah. you guys are on your own there. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just saying, like watching the TV show for the first time and going back to watch the movie for the first time. It just everything, you know, the characters in the movies just seemed off to me after watching the TV show. Mm. Yeah. And it, and even you had Timothy Spall playing Mr. Poe in the film. And he he is a little bit moronic, but he's it's nowhere near the level of Mr. Poe from the series. Oh, they, they step up the incompetence quite yeah. a bit? Yeah. Okay. And, it, and it's not even like IQ points or anything. It's just the, <laughs> just the complete naivety as a character. Just the lost in his own world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my my favorite thing about the whole thing as well is that he's a banker. Yeah, so what why, the hell? Why is he in charge of these orphans? Why, <laughs> why is uh, this his Is job there some now? yeah, some sort of uh, procedure I'm not aware of where yeah <laughs> bankers are gonna be in charge of <laughs> placing orphans? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of those in uh uh what was it in the wide window where it's uh of course i'll tell them i'll tell them yes what what did he say he said we can always come to him for help at monetary money management <laughs> so, uh, no no you can't <laughs> yeah this level of stupidity just gets in, I mean, frankly frustrating <laughs> yeah because it was like they ramped it up to like 20 on the on the tv show in comparison to the movie it was just like a little all right whatever in the movie but on the TV show, he was just like, da-dum, dum dum <laughs> Very much so. Now, one thing I, I wanted to get your take on was actually, like, when it comes to ending a, a series like this, and it's like, okay, how are we going to end it? Is it going to be they get to this point in the book, and then it's just, like, hard cut? Nope, not for this series. You have a wonderful last little song that they do, which has all of the characters singing about this tale being all sorrows and woes. Like, I had that song in my head for mm-hmm. a week. Uh, <laughs> yes, because you had told me about it. Yeah. <laughs> you did it in your head for that long. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a show round everything off so well. Like it, the story's not finished. No, but it's they, not. They were just mm-hmm. able to give you such a well- rounded end to a series that's going to continue whenever it is so it's, uh, like i i don't know can either of you think of any other show that 
did so well, just like giving you a satis- in quotes satisfactory ending. Uh, <laughs> Westworld. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, I, are we? Are you going theme song or? Uh, no, um, yeah. I, I mean, like there just the, the way that they chose to end that way. It is just going mm-hmm. to every. Mm-hmm. Like every character that's really still in it, and yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking of Breaking Bad, how that Baby Blue song just perfectly, true, ended up ended uh, Walter White's journey. Yeah, but, uh, and, yeah, that's and, the only thing that was popping in my head. And th- think about it, we have now just put the ending, like the way that they've been able to satisfactorily end the series with Westworld and Breaking Bad. Absolutely, <laughs> like that, I. I really do feel like this whole series is kind of on par with uh, with I mean, some of those. I mean, we're great finales, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. I can't not talk about this anymore. My, <laughs> oh my, boy, I'm I'm intrigued. My favorite thing in the entire series, and it was such a joy to rewatch because of it, is the misdirect with the parents. My spoilers. Okay, wait. We already <laughs> talked about spoilers. Okay. Yep. All right. So. Oh, that was. Phenomenal. And just for people's reference, um, Paul's very astute at picking up kind of what's going on in a show, much more so than I am, or I think the average viewer, and can kind of yes. pick up how how narratives are going to fall. And so when he told me he was caught off by this, I knew it was well done. Yeah, I, I mean, okay. I, found, I found myself doing the same thing with uh, Westworld and everything. It's, it's kind of like... Uh, me and my wife was watching the whole series yesterday, and every time I would pick up on something, I was like, oh, you know, I wouldn't try to spoil it for her, but I'd be like, oh, I know what's about to happen. And then, you know, sure enough, it would happen. But yeah. <laughs> every, the whole thing with the parents and everything, I was just like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that is the correct response, yes, once again. What the fuck? <laughs> so, yeah, it- and then the way it, it was done and everything and how it showed, uh, you know, with the finale and everything, it <laughs> didn't only happen to the Baudelaire's, it happened to this other family as well. Yeah, for, okay, for those of you that, for whatever reason, are listening to this, <laughs> haven't <laughs> watched the show, yeah. <laughs> but are still reaching this bit yet. So, you know that the Baudelaire's parents have died in a fire, or mm-hmm. perished in a fire. That's <laughs> And, I know uh, what Paris means. Yes, we all know what Paris <laughs> And so we keep cutting back to a woman and a man who are very clearly married, especially as they even specifically reference their honeymoon at the, I believe it's during the fourth episode. I'm not 100% sure on that. But, uh, mm-hmm. if, if it's not jumping into your head, it's in the fourth episode because mm-hmm. you were just watching the third. Yeah. And they keep talking about how the children must be so scared and there's one point where the mother is reading a newspaper with the Baudelaire fire having happened Mm. and there's a point in the sixth episode when the house is going over the cliff and they find the picture and they're saying oh look there's Monty there's this person and there's our parents and it zooms in on a close-up of four people, two of whom are the parents we've been seeing throughout mm-hmm. the show, and that it is just building and building and building to just the 
a, a such an anti-climax. <laughs> it's just ah, oh, so great when they they're like, okay, we're home. There are the really fancy doors at the Lucky Smells Mill, and it opens up, and it is this other family that they have come home to, mm. and I was. I mean, flawed is not the right word, but I was in such awe of how they put this all together. (laughs) All the nods, all all of the little coincidences and stuff that they worked into it that you just don't think about. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I I don't think I can go any further than that. It was so well done. Brian, you look like you wanted to say something there. Oh, okay. Okay, then we'll get, I'm sorry, then we'll get to you, Rob. But um, episode two, I did have a bit of an... I don't know, maybe explain this to me. Because I... Yes, yeah, like I said, you're a more astute viewer. But towards the end of that episode, um, after um, Connerloff's plot has been revealed with the marriage, yeah. uh, we see Will Arnett, the dad, holding up a newspaper, um, which I don't know who's getting them the newspapers, but... Yeah, right. they're, in, they're in the, the jail, whatever. Yeah, uh, but apparently they're allowed to get the Times or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so he holds up the newspaper, and it's the the cover you know, story is the orphans being re- uh, rescued at the theater, you know, um, yeah. theater rescue of orphans, whatever. And he says, the children are still in danger. Mm-hmm. There's something of that effect. If those aren't his kids, how does that line make any sense well the the two things i took from it upon what because who it the calls time, the children if it's not their children yeah well that's that's the thing the two things i took away from it upon second watching uh aside from just how well set up it was is number one he is he's not showing the paper to her he's mm-hmm. looking at the paper so despite the fact that the front of the paper says Baudelaire or mm-hmm. whatever he isn't necessarily talking. So he's about internalizing that. it to their family. Yeah, like he he is, he is thinking, like the children being our children mm-hmm. are still in danger. Like we're we and we infer the, the Exactly. Like that's so that's the setup for that. Well, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> Where do you stand on that, Rob? <laughs> I just I don't know. My brain cannot compute once it was all revealed at the end. It was just like I was like, did they have? Did they lead a double life? Did they have two sets of kids? What the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, secret yeah. family. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the uh, for for people like wondering about that, I I do know that uh, the the children that they end up going back to, they are a similar set of orphans in a similar predicament now to the Baudelaire's because mm-hmm. of things that are going on with the VFD. And that's another thing I will say. The only reason I know about the VFD is because I did a little bit of looking into the series after I watched the Jim Carrey film. So I know what the VFD is and how some of the characters play into that because of something I looked up 13 years ago, apparently, <laughs> uh, since that's how long uh-huh. ago the film came out. So, yeah, it, I really enjoyed, like, now that I know some of, but I've obviously not having read the books, I don't know mm-hmm. a huge amount of what that is. I love that they haven't gone into it very much. Like, you are in the same boat, for the most part, 
as the Baudelaire's in how much you know about this world that they're stuck in. And I, I feel that they've handled that really well. <laughs> Uh, um, to the movie how they upgraded a lot of the things and everything because that spyglass in the movie looked whacked as hell <laughs> <laughs> yes I'll it take is. your word for it okay I'll take yeah. your word for it yeah. now <laughs> I mean it was in fact I think isn't it in the film isn't it a complete spyglass yeah it's like, like it's not in detail like how the one in the TV show is where it had little no it's not like, a cryptex no, it, it is yeah. it's just a telescope actually. it's just <laughs> Smooth telescope. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I think the only time it ever comes into play is right at the end when he's like he's looking out on the stage and he realizes that the eyeglass in front of him is the. Okay, I'm not going to go any further than that for people that don't know more about it. I, I just realized I was about to spoil something that wasn't in the series. Oh, that might be yes. fair. So yeah, catch. that. And yeah, thinking about that now. Um, the spyglass or, or the eye from the end of the film, the Jim Carrey film, is from further down the line in the books. So, huh. Yeah, I'm really glad I know a bit more about the series than I... Well, let me see, I have no idea what's going on, but... <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, um, you seem to be content. Yeah, no, it, it, there's something in the film that for people, for people that have seen the show and are thinking about seeing the film but haven't seen the film yet don't do it <laughs> is, is what I'm now going to tell you because I just realized that there's something in the film that will spoil something further down the line in the series so yeah it's uh, I mean it's something that is inferred but is never it is not pointed at directly so it's uh, it's, it's an additional extra <laughs> And then I was so, like, in love with the television series that, like, when it got to the movie, I was just kind of like, all right, why is this shit not over yet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I turned my brain off to a lot of what was going on in it, but I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Confirmed for me, I'm never watching that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, the, once uh, you've seen the superior product, why yeah. go back? Now, the, the only thing I will say, like, we can probably jump to the... Uh, the guest actors now, but uh, mm. I will admit that due to my fandom of Billy Connolly, I really enjoyed the Monty in the film because it's portrayed by Billy Connolly. Mm. <laughs> Whereas, uh, so who, um, before we go into it, then who's your favorite extra guardian? Then you've got Monty. Are you asking me? Uh, well, both of you. You've okay. got Monty and you got Josephine. Oh, I don't. That is such a tough call because I love a Seath Monty. Um, but I, I'm sorry. I think I got to go with Josephine. I'm sorry if I. Is it Alfrey? Alfrey Woodard is uh, sure. utterly fantastic. <laughs> like, and I mean, she is holding it down at, what is she, 64? She is holding it down and she's looking good and she is amazing. Um, I don't know. I loved her in this. I think she was. So good, it was so great casting. Yeah, uh, right. yeah I think I, I, he was was a good character in the TV series, and uh, but out of the two in the TV series, I think I, I think I connected more with Monty over Aunt Josephine because whenever um she died or whatever, I was like, "Golly, that annoying motherfucker is gone." So, <laughs> Monty died. Oh, no, so sad. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, all right, what well, that. 
that was kind of, to me that's kind of part of Josephine that is quite nice like she is someone who was a part of this organization and was such a great person and is now withdrawn and is now obsessed with the English language absolutely obsessed so it's, it was kind of nice that they replaced with someone that had this quirk shall we say mm-hmm. and I did like how it still came back right at the end right before her demise for the uh, there's something I should have told you a long time ago you <laughs> have what <laughs> you should have said <laughs> oh yeah I just, yeah, I love that. Let's just do a standoff or whatever, like character to character or whatever. All the characters that Jim Carrey played in the movie, well, from what me, you can talk about. I know he didn't see the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I believe the Stefano. Uh, I think I, I like the Jim Carrey Stefano a little bit better than the Neil Patrick Harris Stefano. Just a little, not a lot. You know. I, I can see what you mean by that, just because the Stefano in the series is such a character. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the film, it's more obviously Olaf. So you get more of the hopelessness of the Baudelaire's are so desperately trying to get across. Like, th- this is this is an act. This is not this, is not this person. And mm-hmm. it... It's a little bit more believable in the way that he's able to stop them from telling Monty who he is. Whereas in the series, they are very much just like, it never seemed to come up. (laughs) Which is one thing I didn't fully understand about the Baudelaire with Monty in the show. Is that they they never said, and even Lemony Snicket says, Klaus is kicking himself over the number of times he should have said, this man is Olaf. Like... Why did they never say? Why did they? Yeah, exactly. Why? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Especially since Monty thought didn't occur to you. Yeah, Mo- Monty seemed to be much more on their side and be willing to listen to what they were saying. So, why did they never do that? Was the only adult that would say it. But yeah, I can see your argument for Stefano from the film being a bit better. But uh, with regards to. Captain Sham, I believe that Neil Patrick Harris has the win on that one, even though I do think that he used Jim Carrey's Captain Sham yeah. as kind of a a, a guideline. Kind of a template. Uh, yeah. 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 So it was, uh, they, they were similar in you know, certain aspects or whatever, but I think Neil Patrick Harris did a better job with it. Yeah. My, my wife actually, uh, when I was rewatching it, she was saying, is he just imitating Jim Carrey doing the same character and I I did think like there's only so many bad actor trying to be a pirate voices that you can come across and so because they've gone yeah, with the so most you're gonna obvious make that parallel either way. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. So I think that's part of it. But just the way that Neil Patrick Howard portrays Olaf, like with all the my home is the sea. Oh, do you not live around here then? It's like large lake. <laughs> Multiple times. Large <laughs> lake, yeah. Yeah, and, he, and the way that he he's just so he, he clearly has no filter like he, he has no hang on what was my thing it was like, when, even when he's talking to Poe and he's uh, Jessica haircut it's like hey, that, that is like <laughs> I, okay. I'm as certain as I am that my name is whatever it is I told, I told you, you it was, was. <laughs> yeah. 
That's so I, weird. I have an appointment for a haircut. <laughs> yes. Even uh, um, with the side characters, anything like all his henchmen in comparison to the movie, I think with having the TV series format or whatever, it was good to even get into the villains more than they did in the movie. They were just kind of there in the movie. It wasn't yeah. really anything with the plot too much, but they were just kind of there. But as in the TV show, it was like all over the place. Yeah, it it was really cool to see that they clearly were his acting troupe, and then he just is dragging them into the plan once he's got it. But he's like, okay, so now you're going to do this, you're going to do this. And whereas in the film, obviously, for those who haven't seen it, including Brian, mm-hmm, they yeah. are people that just kind of sit around for the most part. And they, they are only really featured in, like, whenever they turn up on screen, they're on screen for, like, two minutes. And then they move, like, they go away, and now we're on to the next book. And then they turn up for two minutes again. But and now you do get, as you said, the fleshed-out characters, like the hook-hand man, who I think is about on par with Olaf, is how far he's willing to go to to mess with these kids. And he's like- this is clearly a different man. He has hands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look at him. He's trying to eat a can of peaches. <laughs> but yeah, they, there's actually... I can only assume in the book it's way more defined. Uh, but there is one of the henchmen, who I'll very quickly look it up, who plays them. Uh, Matty Carderopal. I believe I'm saying that correctly. If mm. he plays the hench person of indeterminate gender, he is no, the guy who the plays Nurse Lucafont. Nurse Lucafont. Yeah. So in the in the books, based on what I've learned from people talking to me about them, like it is never explained whether or not this person is a man or a woman, and no, there's no, there's no way for them to figure it out. Whereas, obviously being played by a man in this but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how much further they go with it because there's a lot of frumpy dresses and uh, giant coats so you never actually get a good look at, at the body at all I, I guess what was really trying to get across here is just how much fun it, and it's weird to say how much fun it is to watch all of these people play all of these parts in the horrible lives of the Baudelaire's. Like, it is genuinely enjoyable to watch these children suffer as much as they do, which is <sighs> such a strange really? thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but just all, all of these people, like uh, uh, Patrick Breen as the waiter at the the clown restaurant. Oh yeah. Just, uh-huh. just trying just trying to interrupt to be like, Yeah, I, I meant to ask if anyone has any allergies that would cause them to have any problems because <laughs> them to leave the establishment. <laughs> um mm. obviously Don Johnson as Sir and Reese Darby as Charles. So, oh, yeah. so uh, just a great little pop up there, obviously uh, I haven't watched as much Flight of the Concords as I should have, uh, and we have seen uh, what we do in the shadows. Uh, 
where he pops up as a wonderful leader of the werewolves, not swearwolves. Not swearwolves. <laughs> yes, uh, so it was so fun to just in there, just being stay. Oh, hi. hi. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, just so many, so many great actors popping up, so many great characters that you see. Uh, Joan Cusack. Cus- yeah, I'm like, yeah, how have we not talked about Joan Cusack? Justice yeah. Strauss. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> And, and one of, uh, like, actually, one of the the great things about how they, like, how they integrate Family Snicket with the real world in, at the end of episode two, when Klaus gives the argument for how Violet did not legally sign the document, and how Lemony Snicket says it was, he gave it with all the wit of this person and all the. And then it cuts straight back to Justice Strauss saying that argument had all the, <laughs> it's the exact same line again. There's so many instances of that of the yeah the language playing back on itself. Yeah, <laughs> and a whole bunch of the set pictures right now. It's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right, how about we we'll start with Rob and then we'll go around here. So, if you had to pick one character or role of a like, or whatever, just any one, but who? Who would? What's your standout in the in the show? Like, well, other than um, I'll exclude Neil Patrick Harris and um... <laughs> yeah, I think Lemony and Olaf are out. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think uh, yeah. Aside from the the great <laughs> the the great overacting of Olaf and uh, Lemony Snicket is fantastic. So yeah, out of, except those two, like what what would be your favorite uh, character in the show? I got two. Um, I got Monty and Mr. Poe. That's I like the, both <laughs> characters. Um, Monty bit the dust. I was thoroughly upset. <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, I can see that because uh, it, and not even as much as, oh no, he died. What's going to happen to Baudelaire? It's just, oh, there's no more Monty. <laughs> yeah, it was really sad because he was such a welcome character. Yeah, and just. Done in two episodes or an episode and a half. Alright, uh, Brian, do you, do you happen to have any standouts? Uh, well, I think <laughs> I know it's late, but I love some Reese Darby. <laughs> uh, he's just fantastic. Um, and I, you know, I think I gotta double down on as much as he annoys the hell out of me, I gotta. Got to agree with Rob with Mr. Poe. Yeah. <laughs> he is so just annoyingly stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that is fun to watch. They, they never explained the cough. Why he was coughing all the time. What I originally thought was them. It might have been from him investigating, being at the scene where the fire was, and you know, been you know, getting smoke in the lungs and everything. But he mm-hmm. remained off through the whole series. Yeah, yeah, and me not being familiar with the the origin at all of these stories, I thought we would get that trope of seeing some blood on a handkerchief or something I'm like oh he's gonna die in <laughs> six episodes or something but you know it's never explained yeah but, uh someone i used to work with uh until very recently was uh, a big fan of the books she did say one of his defining features in the book is the fact he just has this cough like it just throughout the entire book he's always coughing like all the time says uh i i i do feel there were some times where it's, and they even allude to it in the fourth episode where it's like, shall we kill him? I don't know, he's coughing a lot. Let's see if he dies of natural causes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is it is quite a bad cough that he's got going yeah, on. Yeah, it's like you should definitely get that checked out if he has it. 
<laughs> and yeah, I think uh, I might have to go with Mr. Poe as well, and I'll say Mr. and Mrs. Poe, just as oh, two, really? yeah. just as two yeah, people. <laughs> the, the 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 way he's introduced in the series, where it's just, hello, children, like it is a nice day. Your, Your parents, parents are, are dead. dead. <laughs> yeah. It was a nice day, is what he should say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, just uh, continue down that path, the entire shit. And then just the wife just being like, yeah, you must miss your parents terribly. Yeah. No, no, say it. Say it. <laughs> oh, she, oh, yeah. yeah. That was uncomfortable for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I didn't appreciate that too much. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, she's awful. Yeah, yeah, and it and it's weird, just uh, like it's an enjoyable. Like, I like hating this woman. Like, <laughs> just she's not oh, even she's so in it so yeah. much, but she's so mm. great. And uh, uh, the only other one I would say, uh, kind of like standing out as a fantastic character, weaving in and out, and only because I have a theory as to who. She, she ends up being because there is a cat based on what little I can remember. There's a character that ends up being somewhat important further down the line is Mr. Poe's receptionist who, as it yeah. turns out, is going, is a member of the organization uh, of, of which very little is known about at this point, And I'm not going into for obvious reasons, but yeah, she, why am I blanking on her name right now? <laughs> jo- uh, Josephine? Or, no? uh, not Josephine. No, I'm sorry. Not yeah. Not yeah, obviously. Yeah, that's wrong. I know. Um, it's uh, Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Thank you. Was it too many J's uh, in this? Yeah. <laughs> Two. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah so um, just a, a wonderful popping in and out character, uh, and uh, of course actress as we see that she is. Uh, she is in the zombies in the snow. Yes, yes, I was one to kiss Mark. Where have I seen her before? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. No one can remember anybody in this series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have the slightest resemblance. Yeah, and I'm fairly certain the the guy that the, the guy that's in that isn't that Gustav as well? Is so, it? I don't know. I, I think it. I'm literally by a pond. I know. <laughs> I, I literally do not know. Uh, if we haven't sold you on this show already, We're not number one, on. <laughs> number one, you're not going to watch it because we've spoiled the majority of number it. Two, yeah, number two, you're an awful person. Number two, number three, at the very least, just watch it for the the English lesson you end up getting. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, you don't even need to get to uh, Josephine to get some good English lessons. <laughs> this value in itself. Yeah, and I yeah, I love how like they introduce what is it dramatic irony in episode. Three, and then you proceed yes. to see multiple elements of dramatic irony. Exactly. It's just in the plot now. Yeah, because yeah. it, it is one of those things where there's, there's a lot of playing with traditional tropes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you uh, started to catch it, because you might not have seen as many of them, but mm-hmm. uh, did you notice the overarching story following half of the Lemony Snicket like, to character thing? Because he's, he's in the room... Mm-hmm. in the hotel the other side of the street from the theater and you start to see him packing and then 
it ends in the last episode with him leaving through the window as someone breaking down the door. Yeah. Like it, it's an active investigation he's in the middle of, which is uh, it's, uh, yeah. um, and there's a reason for people trying to break down the door. Again, I'm not going into right now. Oh, so, but why? <laughs> like I, it, it's weird. It, this is a series where I am so invested in not giving potential spoilers for something that isn't out that I'm really censoring what I'm saying right now. It's, that uh, must be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that I, I'm so looking forward to seeing this further down the line. And I, I think it's a, it's a certainty that when the next series comes out, we will be talking about it again. Yeah, for uh, sure. Got, got to have a follow-up to this thing. <laughs> yeah. I just want to see, because the whole time they've been linking um, Count Olaf to their family and through the organization and everything, the spyglass, the tattoo, the pictures in the house. Uh, he's like, you're not even in the picture. I was holding the camera. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the piano, yeah. Yeah, and I was taking the picture. Yeah. And the, uh, what, the maze, or the maze, the... Uh, well, yeah, the, the maze yeah. looks like the... The eye with the... Uh, yeah, with Jacqueline there as the statue. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it showed the picture of Lemony Snicket's and Count Olaf in the same picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... Uh, uh, the only thing I'll say, because it... It will definitely come up, and it kind of pops up a little bit in the show. Is uh, uh, they are connected through the organization, which is known as VFD. And as you actually know that, there are several times in the series where the initials VFD pop up and come into play. Like there's uh, um, a book that uh, you find uh, Violet and Sonny find their father's handwriting in in the fourth book uh, that we see when they're at the lumber mill and they're looking through the library and the name of the book has the initials VFD on it. Like it's, uh, I can't even remember what it's called, but going down, down the front, it's very big to be But yeah, I cannot give this show enough praise. I, you know, I've turned uh, multiple people onto it and <laughs> no one's been disappointed yet. Yeah. So. And I, I, even with all the Marvel stuff that's been coming out, I genuinely think this is my favorite Netflix original show. Original show, yeah. yeah okay. More so than Jessica Jones. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, as much as I enjoy Jessica Jones, as much as I love, was it, would that Tennant, be a second or third place? I was, I was just yeah. taking a stab at it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I would say that, that's at number two, uh-huh. and probably still, um, still haven't seen this show. Oh, uh, I would recommend. I it. recommend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, if for nothing else, even if you're not a fan of Marvel. David Tennant as the Purple Man is mm. just beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, is, he is a very good actor. Um, but uh, yeah, so, and Seven Deadly Sins is my number three at the moment because I'm waiting for Attack on Titan to come back. So, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's not for another couple of months, but still, we'll get there. So yeah, I, I think uh, we can't really go too much more into this without yeah, so... uh, covering our tracks again. So. Thanks for coming on, Rob, and uh, helping us out with this. It's, uh, it's always great to have someone else's point of view and uh, to to have an, 
additional voice to, to chime in and give us pause for thoughts. <laughs> I appreciate you giving me that. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, we, yeah, we get tired of just arguing over the same stuff. So. <laughs> or agreeing. Or agreeing, uh, as usually is the case, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh, so, yeah, it's, it's welcome to have another point of view. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you put me onto the TV show because I thoroughly enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah, well, there we go. Yeah, so, keep spreading the word. Yeah. Um, so, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you if they wish to find you? Yes, please wish to find me. <laughs> <laughs> if you have two more wishes left after that, I mean, you can wish for more wishes. So, um, you can waste that one wish on me. You can find me on Twitter at it's B Rob. That's I T S B R O B. Um, I also run a podcast called The Random Ramblings with Rob. You can find all the information on that at randomrobcast.com. Oh, short and to the point. I like it. I like it. Yeah, efficient. <laughs> I think yes. I've done that before. Yes, and you know, I'm not even going to bother with uh, reiterating our yeah. viewers at the front. At Blockbusters. <laughs> yeah. Let's cut it there. Yeah, if you search Blockbusters, you will find us. So there Absolutely. we go. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, well, thanks again, Rob, for coming on. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Uh, no problem. And as always, I've been Paul. I've been Brian. See you, folks. Bye. Bye.